Open your Bibles, Exodus chapter 4. We've been in this series called Heroes, and we've been looking at this. We've been, been looking at, at, at various people's lives, and we're going to continue to look at that. We'll walk through the Old Testament, walk through the New Testament together, and we're going to look at the lives of men and women, and we're going to look at it in a bi- biographical form, and we're going to look at how we can take the principles of their life and apply it to our life. Now, if you've been with us, you know that we've been in this series three weeks. We took one week, and we looked at Adam's life, and we looked at how to have victory over failure. Then the last two weeks, we've been looking at Moses' life. And so we've been looking at the first week we looked at Moses' life as far as how to deal with insecurities because we all have insecurities. We all have insecurities that we got to deal with. And so the problem is not your insecurities, but it's where you take them and where you find your security. Then last week we looked at Moses' life. And and as you know, he did not end well. He had this issue with anger and he couldn't keep his anger in check and he really never dealt with it. And so he didn't live, he didn't finish well, if you will. This week we're going to look at the life of Moses' brother. His name is Aaron. Aaron is an example to us of how to work and how to operate in that difficult work environment. You see, Aaron was was articulate, and he was bright, and he was intelligent. Aaron could have been the CEO of any company. He could have been the number one guy. He could have been a manager. He could have been a supervisor. But instead, he's stuck in this position. He's the number two guy. And he's brighter, and he's smarter than his supervisor, his manager, his boss. And for whatever reason, God had chosen Aaron to be the number two guy. You know, work can be difficult, right? I mean, I mean, even when you're in a job that you like, even when you're in a job that you have passion, there's that side of, jo- of, of your work, there's that side of your career that can be very difficult, right? And so there's a lot of advice that the world gives us about how we handle those. Well, you know, you know when you have those days and you have those take this job and shove it days? You know, when you just want to cash it in and you're just frustrated. You know, one of the cartoons that I love to read is, is Delbert. And so Delbert, about a few weeks back, was talking about he'd had one of those take this job and shove it days. And so Delbert was talking to his buddies at work and he looked at them and he says, you know what I do when I have those days? And what I've decided, every morning the first thing, I, the first thing you should do in the morning is eat a live toad. Nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. <laughs> so there's one way. There's one advice. There's another advice. Mark Buchanan wrote the book, uh, The Rest of God. And Mark Buchanan talks about this issue that, that you cannot understand the rest of God or what a Sabbath is and how to have a Sabbath heart until you understand the theology of work. To understand the theology of work that after the fall, that sometimes after the fall, work can just be difficult because even when you love your job or even when you have great passion for what you do, there's still difficulties, there's still thorns, there's still, there's still frustration, right? And he says, so until you can understand, to understand the rest of God, you've got to understand the theology of work of God. And so he says, so when you have those difficult days, he has a suggestion. He said, when you have those take this job and shove it days, that on your way home, stop off at the pharmacy. Go to the pharmacy and buy a Q-tip brand rectal thermometer. Yes, I just said that. And so, so you buy this Q-tip brand rectal thermometer, you buy it, you take it home, and you go home, you close the doors, you lock the doors to your house, you turn the lights down low, uh, you turn off your cell phone, your email, text messaging, uh, TV, computers, phone. Uh, some of you guys are already laughing. And <laughs> you turn everything off so that you're not interrupted during your time of therapy. And so after you, and then you you change into some loose-fitting clothes, something that's more comfortable, and then you take your thermometer, you take it out of the box, uh, you unwrap it, 
you, 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 you just place it very gently on the nightstand so you don't crack, chip, or break it. And then you take out the instructions. And then you read all of the instructions. It has to be the Q-tip brand. It cannot be any other brand. And as you read through the instructions, you come down to the line where it says, everyone a Q-tip brand thermometers are personally tested. (laughs) Then, you repeat five times. Thank you, oh thank you, that I do not work in quality control at (laughs) Q-tip. Yes, my wife approved that illustration. And I am so worried that's all you're going to remember out of this sermon. So there's a couple of ways how to handle those days when you have those days that are just, they're just difficult. Or you could try to just apply some biblical principles to your work environment and see your work as an extension of your faith and not compartmentalize your faith or not segregate out your faith. That when you look at this, you find that Aaron was the brother of Moses. And so Aaron gives us an example of how to work in a difficult situation. How to work in that situation that you feel like you were passed over or passed by, feel like that you are smarter or more articulate or brighter than the person that you work with, or you're in that difficult situation. And you have to remember that God God knows where you are. Listen, let me tell you something. There's a couple of questions that we as believers, whether it's in our work life, whether it's in our, our, or just when it's in life in general, that we have to settle and we have to answer, is God sovereign? Is God in control? Is God good? And then does God love me? The way you answer those questions, listen, I'm telling you, determines everything for your life. It sets the course for your life. You see, when you look at Aaron, Aaron had a better resume than Moses. Aaron was the oldest. He was the firstborn. Normally, usually, God used the firstborn, the eldest boy. Not in this case. He used Aaron. He used Moses, Aaron's younger brother. Aaron could have felt like he was passed over for a promotion. That it should be him in that position and not Moses. Aaron was also very articulate. He was, a, he was an eloquent speaker. I mean, it just came natural to Aaron. Aaron could just stand up and just speak. And, and this job that Moses is in requires public speaking and a lot of it. See, it came natural to Aaron. Aaron didn't have to, like Moses who stuttered, Aaron didn't, like to ha- didn't have to practice words over and over and over so he correctly pronunciate them. Well, he's in front of people. Moses had a past. Aaron had no past. Moses had murdered a guy. Moses was a fugitive. Moses was a wanted man. Oh, and let's stop right there. Never discount your past. And never let your past hold your back that God wants to use you regardless of your past. Regardless of where you've been. Regardless of what you've done. That God desires to use you. And so Aaron was this guy that had all this ability to be the number one guy. To be the the boss, the manager, the CEO. Instead, God puts him in a supportive role. Puts him in a number two position. Does that mean God passed him over? No. Is God sovereign? Is God good? God, thank you. Does God love you? Absolutely. 
God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He didn't pass Aaron over. He intentionally put Aaron in that position. And I, I just pray as we walk through this message that we would see our job not as, a, not as a compartmentalized area, and that's just our job, and that's how we handle that, and then this is our church life, and this is our spiritual life. But I pray that we would see our job as an integration of our faith. Listen, we do not have a darkness problem. You know what we have? We have a lightness problem. And believers are no longer influencing this culture for Christ in the workplace or even in the political arena. Four principles I want to give you this morning in Aaron's life that we can apply to our life when we're stuck in that position, when we're stuck in that situation. The first one is this, is that Aaron was obedient. See, Aaron got this. Aaron understood. He settled it for himself that God is sovereign, God is in control, that God loves me. And so Aaron was not only obedient to God, but he was obedient to Moses, his, his baby brother. And so look at this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 27. Now the Lord said to Aaron, and so that's huge. So even in this position, Aaron is still listening to the voice of God. He is still daily hearing from God and listening to God. And Aaron, and Aaron understood that God had placed him there. So the Lord said to Aaron, go out into the wilderness to meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God. And he embraced him there. Aaron not only heard from God, but Aaron did what God asked him to do. That's why we end the services here the way that we do. It's not only hearing from God, but it's asking God, what is my next step? What do you want me to do as a result of the word that you gave me? How do you want me to respond? See, Aaron was that type of guy. When he heard from God, he just didn't stay there. It's just not something that he just journaled and, and had that moment, but it's something that he put into practice. He initiated it. Listen, he hadn't seen his brother Moses in 40 years. Fact is, when you read the story, you realize that Aaron wasn't even looking for Moses up to this point. Mer Moses was a fugitive. Moses was on the run. It was a consequence of his sin. And I'm telling you, this is just so critical for us to understand that as children of God, as believers, we have to understand the, the power of obedience. I'm telling you, obedience brings blessing in your life. And we have to, and you see Aaron's life, even though he was dealing with some difficult issues, some personal issues, right? He's still obedient to God. See, our job is to hear from God. Our job is to obey him. Our job is to do what God has asked us to do out of his word. In other words, you have to see your job as a part of your Christian life. And God wants your two worlds to be integrated. I mean, it's in the workplace that people should be, right? It's in the workplace that non-believers should be able to look into a believer's life. And see, there's something different about that man, and there's something different about that woman. They, they don't live life like everybody else does. And I'm, t I'm telling you, obeying the Lord is more important than moving up the corporate ladder. telling you obedience obedience brings blessing second principle that we can pull out of Aaron's life is this is Aaron was not only obedient but Aaron was supportive I mean he didn't try to undermine the the, the leadership of Moses um, Aaron was supported Exodus chapter 4 verse 29 then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called out all the elders of Israel together. 
And watch this. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses. And Moses performed the miraculous signs. And, and they watched. Isn't this interesting? It was, it was Aaron that introduced Moses to the people. The children of Israel, they forgot about Moses. It had been 40 years since he'd le- lived there. He had no influence into the children of Israel. He needed someone. And it was, can you imagine this? It was Aaron that recommended Moses to be his supervisor. Even though he could have felt, I should be the guy. I should be the person. I'm more eloquent. I'm more articulate. I'm brighter. I can lead this better than him. When Aaron stood up in front of the people, Aaron was basically saying, you know what? I believe in this person. This is a picture of the person that supports his or her supervisor. Then I believe in this person. Listen, I'm telling you, you know that one of the most important things of your work life is your attitude. Your attitude is critical to your life. Your attitude is critical not only in your work life, but every area of your life. Listen, I'll just tell you, if you do not believe in your leader, if you cannot support your leader, if you cannot support your manager, if you cannot support your supervisor, if you do not believe in what you do, then you either need to change the place where you work or you need to change your heart. Something has to change. Because I'm telling your attitude, a poor attitude, will destroy you. When workers, when people are constantly complaining and criticizing their company, their boss, their organization, their situation, people are constantly criticizing, complaining, and gossiping about the people that they work with and slandering them. It not only affects you, your attitude, but guess what? It affects everybody around you. And if you think you can segregate that out and just keep that at the work, at your workplace... You bring it home with you. And then you know what your family has to hear? They have to hear about all the idiots you work with and all the idiots you work for and how if you were in that position, you'd be much better. And if you ran the company, it would be much better. Listen, I'm telling you this. There are a lot of people that would love to have your job. Your attitude. I'm just telling you. Anybody enjoy working around someone that's a negative complaining, gossiping. Listen, let me just tell you this, in case you don't know this, if you're, if you're in a circle and they're gossiping about other people, guess what? When you leave the room, they're going to talk about you. It's naive for people to believe, well, they, uh, they talk about everybody else, but they won't talk about me. Listen, that's a heart issue. You know what made Moses qualified for the job? God's hand was on him. It wasn't that he was eloquent. It wasn't that he was articulate, because he wasn't. It wasn't because he was some organizational genius and he could lead millions of people and he had high capacity. You know what qualified Moses for leadership? You know what qualified Moses for that position? God had put him there and God's hand was on him. And Aaron understood that and Aaron got that and Aaron believed in that. Have you ever thought that God may have placed you in that position for a reason, for a season? That is part of your sanctification. It's part of you becoming more like Christ. So you could learn how not to talk about someone. So you could learn how to submit to authority. So you could learn how to pray for someone. So you could learn how to forgive someone. So you could learn how to love people who aren't like you. I am telling you, we do not have a darkness problem. We have a lightness problem. And there are so many believers that when they walk into their workplace... 
that they don't understand that God wants them integrated together. Your greatest testimony could be the place that you work. Because I'm telling you, there are people every day looking for someone that reflects Christ. Third principle, Aaron was responsible. In other words, Aaron took on responsibility. In other words, Aaron, man, Aaron shared the load. See, Aaron not only shared the labor, he shared the load, and he shared the burden. In preparing for this message, I've read so many business journals on leadership. I've read so many books on leadership like the rest of God and some others. And in all the surveys, they surveyed a bunch of CEOs. And you just watch this this common thread. And CEO after CEO, male and, and female, have said the most difficult worker in the workplace is the what's in it for me worker. That the only loyalty that they have is to themselves. Not to the organization. Not to the team. Not to the company. Not to people that they work with and work for. But what's in it for me? It's about their reward. It's about their salary. It's about their bonus. It's about their work hours. It's about their benefits. Those of you that are in this room and you have the task of supervising and managing people, you know what it's like when you have that rare employee that is willing to share not only the responsibility, but willing to share the load with you. You know how rare that is, right? Those of you that are managers and CEOs and supervised people, and you know the burden, right? I'm telling you, there are two sides to leadership. There is a side that is down, that that you see, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Have you ever thought that supervisor, that manager, that person over you is doing all they can to protect you, all they can to help you? And managers and supervisors like Moses, if you're not careful, you can get bitter. When there's a lot of people that work for you that's, what's in it for me or what have you done for me lately? Because if you don't keep on, I'll pack up my toys and I'll go somewhere else. See, Aaron wasn't this type of guy. Aaron was this rare guy that shared the responsibility, but he he shared the load. I mean, when, when Moses had to go before Pharaoh, Moses could have been put to death when he said, let my people go. Aaron went with him. It could could have come at great cost to Aaron. 
a lot of employees will back off at that point because it's, I got my career to think, it, it, it's too much at risk. Not Aaron. Aaron took responsibility with Moses that ultimately would lead to his death and lead to Moses' death. There, one of the places was, was, was the children of Israel and God was, was leading the children of Israel and, and God told, told Aaron and God told, told Moses to, to call the, the people together in, in numbers and call the people together and, and speak to a rock and, and then when you speak to the rock that water will come forth and so instead Moses strikes the rock. You see, see Moses was leading the children of Israel and see, unfortunately for Moses, Moses had a lot of people, what have you done for me lately people or what's in it for me? And it was just never enough for them. You realize there's some employees that no matter what the company does, no matter what their manager does, no matter what their supervisor does, it is just not enough. Listen, it is not an organizational issue. It is an issue of the heart. And so the children of Israel began complaining and murmuring and grumbling about Moses. They were slandering Moses. And here, they, here he had set them free. And Moses had all he could stand, and so instead of honoring God and speaking to the rock, he struck the rock, and watch this in, in Numbers chapter 20, verse 6. Moses and Aaron turned, around, turned away from the people and went to, into the entrance of the tabernacle. So let's just, we, just can't, we, we, we just can't ignore this. A biblical godly leader will turn away from the people to hear the voice of God. See, Moses got that. Moses understood that. And he turned away from the people. See, a biblical leader, a godly leader, not only turns away from the people to hear the voice of God, but then he or she is willing to do what God has asked him or her to do. And Moses was this type of a leader. Listen, I'm telling you, that's why life journaling, that's, that's why Bible reading is so important to you. There has to be a time daily, like Pastor Chad was talking about worship, there has to be a time daily that you turn from the people. You turn from, the, listen, that's why Paul told Timothy, Paul told Timothy this, Timothy, as a pastor, you're going to have to learn to turn away from godless chatter because it will destroy you. You have to hear my voice over the voice of the people. Because they will talk about you. And they will criticize you. And they will slander you. But my voice has to be more important in your life than anybody else's voice. Man, I'm telling you, there's something about us, right? You know this in the workplace. There's something about us, the flesh. We want to know what everybody's saying about us, right? Well, what are they saying? About, what are they saying? Listen, you don't care. You want to know what God says. And then you want to lead. And they fell face down on the ground, and the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community as the people watch. Speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where he kept it before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. And so also now, now he digresses into name calling. God did not say, call them a name. And so he says, listen, you rebels. And listen, that's really cleaned up out of the Hebrew for us. It was a very derogatory term. I mean, Moses had had it. He said, hey, listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water from this rock? Basically, you know what? 
I'll do one more thing for you, but tomorrow it won't be good enough. It won't make a difference in your life. Then Moses raised his head and struck the rock twice. And water gushed out so the entire community and their livestock drank their, their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you... So here we go. Okay, so we do not have a darkness problem. We have a lightness problem. Because you did not trust me, is God good? Is he in control? Does he love me? Can I trust him? If you can't answer the first three, three, you will never answer. You will never trust him. If you do not believe he's in control, if you do not believe he's good, and if you do not believe he loves you, you will never trust him. Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness, to be light in a dark community to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. The Bible tells us that Aaron has to take responsibility also. Even though it was Moses who said that, even though it was Moses who struck the rock and didn't speak to the rock. And you may read that and you may be even thinking now, well, you know what, that's just not fair. Moses did that. We don't know what was in Aaron's heart. We don't know what Moses, Aaron was thinking. And so regardless, God held them, God held them both responsible. And both would die and not go into the promised land. I'm telling you, God... God wants us to learn to be willing to share the responsibility and share the load. People that you work with, do they look at you as one of those what's in it for me type of people? It's all about me, it's about my reward, it's about my benefits. Do they look at you as a type of person that are really, really only concerned about yourself? Do they look at you as a person that's committed to a, a project, committed to a team? Do they look at you as a type of person when budgets are blown, schedules are blown, things go south, that you blame everybody else? And you're throwing everybody else under the bus because it's all about survival. Today, there's so many employees. Just when you look at statistics, that it's for them, it's only what they can get and not what they can give. Our workplace. We are surrounded by non-believers. Could be our greatest testimony when, when we work for an unbeliever, when we work with unbelievers, for them to look in our life and say, they don't gossip, they don't slander, they don't trash the people they work with. They share the, they're just, 
They're, you're just different. Can I just tell you this? Well, I've been telling you a lot of stuff, and you've let me, so I'll tell you one more thing. <laughs> I am sick and tired as a pastor, reading statistic after st- statistic that says, in the workplace, there is no marked difference from the person that professes to know Christ to the person who doesn't. We don't have a darkness problem. We have a lightness problem. And with all the promises that God has given us, Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you're working for who? You're working for the Lord. Do you realize when you punch that time clock, ultimately God is your supervisor? Ultimately God is the one that you're working for? Wouldn't that change the way that you go about your day? Rather than for people, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving, listen, man, you're serving Christ even in the workplace. Your workplace is an extension of your faith. It is not segregated, segregated out. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul writes, serve wholeheartedly. In other words, share the load, share the responsibility, be different, be light in a dark world as if you were serving is, is if you were serving the Lord and not man. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Listen, I'm telling you, wouldn't that change a lot if you realize that God is the one who gives you re- the reward and not man? Listen, don't give your company, don't give your supervisor, don't give the person that you report to too much power in your life. They do not determine your destiny. We work for him. And it is our job to submit. It is our job to obey. And then we allow him to reward us. See, when you look at statistics, you find that basically in the workplace, there's two types of, there's two types of people. You put them in two, types of, two different groups. There's the initiators, and then there's the commentators. Right? I mean, there's the initiators. When they see a problem, when they see difficulty going on, you know what? They'll initiate and they'll do something. They're part of the team. It's not all about them. They're part of the team. They'll do something. They'll, they'll share the load, share the responsibility. But you know what? And there's a very difficult group of workers and they're commentators. And, and you know what they do? They're a running commentator on all the idiots that they work for and with. All the, all, the, all the bad stuff the company does and all the problems. I can't believe that. And I can't believe they did this. And I can't believe they did that. Last thing with Aaron. It's just something that he dealt with. Remember, we talked about this. And Moses dealt with anger the, his, his entire life and his entire ministry. There's something that, that Aaron, dealt with. Aaron dealt with. Aaron dealt with pride. See, pride was the key problem. Pride was the root issue in, in Aaron's life. And I've wondered as, as I've prepared this message, and I've wondered, I'm just wondering, maybe it was pride that kept God for putting Aaron in that position instead of Moses. Because Moses was humble. See, a person that's humble relies on, the God, on God, and, and someone that is prideful, and they rely on self. That's why you hear people say, I'm a self-made man, I'm a self-made woman. That's a prideful person. There's two instances in Aaron's life that was very destructive when, when pride came out of the box or when pride was unchecked in his life. One of the instances was Aaron and Miriam, uh, they're in a tent. 
And they don't think anyone's in the tent, so they begin gossiping and slandering people. But there was a third person in the tent that they weren't aware of. His name, well, he was God. And God's presence was there. See, when you're in that room and you're slandering and you're gossiping and you're talking about someone and you may not think they can hear you, they may not be able to hear you, but God can. You may not think it's a big issue. It is a big issue to God. So they're trashing Moses over his past. And you know what they're talking about? They're talking about Moses, that Moses married a Cushite woman. Verse 2 in Numbers chapter 12, let's pick up the story. So then Aaron and Miriam, they're, they're having this discussion. And so here they go, and you see how childish it gets. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? I mean, we don't need that guy. I mean, we can open up the Bible. We can life journal without him. We, has, has he only spoken to Moses? Hasn't, hasn't God spoken to, through us too? But the Lord heard them. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. So immediately the Lord called to Moses and Aaron and Miriam and said, Go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle, and the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud and stood at the, in, at the entrance of the tabernacle. And Aaron and Miriam he called, and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, Now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I, he's the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. This is just a huge statement about Moses' character and about who Moses is. He sees the Lord as he is. In other words, he doesn't create God in his image. He doesn't define out who God is. He understands that God is the creator. He is the one in charge. So why were you not afraid to criticize, slander, gossip, my servant, Moses. I hate it when anyone talks about my children. I cannot believe and imagine how much God hates it when we talk about one of his children. The Lord was very angry with them and he departed. There's another time when Aaron's pride came out of the box. Moses had gone up to the mountains to receive the Ten Commandments, and it's the story of the golden calf. And Moses was, was gone for a while, and Aaron and the people didn't know where he was, and they were wondering where he was. So Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. So when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come on, and you're going to watch pride just come out of the box. Because, see, for a prideful person, the applause of people are more important than the applause of God. Prideful people need something from people that really and truly only God can give them. So they said, Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us and we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. So out of sight, out of mind. It's very derogatory. There's no respect. 
who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold ring. So now he says, I, I can do this. I should have been the man from the beginning. I'll lead you guys. Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives, sons, and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought us out of the land of Egypt. So, so it always happens when pride digresses, when pride comes out of the box, it moves to idolatry. Whether it's self-worship, worship of people. And now all of a sudden it's moved from pride to idolatry. Aaron saw how excited the people were. Yeah, prideful people. They need, I mean, I'm telling you, prideful people, they need the applause of others. So he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning, sacrificed burnt offerings, peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they, they indulged in every pagan revelry. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain, you people, uh, the, your people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. So, so you see the digression in, Moses, in, in, in Aaron's life. He did a couple of things. He, he listened to the crowd. The voice of the crowd was louder than the voice of God in his life. He obeyed them because prideful people will be swayed very easily. And then he compromised his values. Listen, let me tell you something. A real leader is someone that is able to hear the voice of God and just do what God has called them to do. And Aaron thinks this is his chance and he compromises and he knew it was the Lord that led them out of Egypt. He said it was the Lord. I'm telling you, you've got to watch pride in your life. And God wants you and I just to walk in obedience and obey him. Listen, and allow him to open up the doors for you. Obedience is more important than moving up any corporate ladder. Obedience brings blessing. There is something special when you've submitted and you've obeyed and you know it's God who opened up that promotion and opened up that job for you. Many times, like Aaron, we think, you know what? Our rewards are what we get on this earth, or our rewards are a promotion or a raise. And Numbers chapter 18, verse 20, and so the Lord said to Aaron, Your priest will receive no allotment of land or share of property among the people of Israel. I am your slave and your, your allotment. As for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle instead of an allotment of land. I will give them their tithes from the entire land of Israel. I just wonder if part of Aaron's sanctification is part of God placing Aaron in this position was to teach Aaron, Aaron, I am your inheritance. Aaron, I'm your reward, not a position, not a profession, not a job, not moving up the corporate ladder. It's what Paul was trying to get on to say in the New Testament. I am your reward. That, that's why it should be so easy for believers to give of their resources and to give of their time. Because he is our reward. I come across so many believers that say, I've given everything to God. I've given him 100%. And then they, then they argue over the 10%. 
Or they argue over giving him their profession or giving him their job. And he's trying to get us to understand like Aaron. I am your reward. I am your inheritance. That's why Jesus says, no one will give up mother or father or brother or sister or homes on my account. That I will not reward them in this life or the life to come. We do not have a darkness problem. We have a lightness problem. And we have to decide, are we going to be light in a dark world?